Voice of America. South Sudan in focus on the Voice of America. I'm Nabil Biagio in Washington, working on this program via remote. Here are some of the top stories making news across Sudan and South Sudan this Tuesday, June 1st, 2022. The UN welcomes the lifting of the state of emergency in Sudan. This is an important step to create a conducive environment for the direct intra-Sudanese talks to end the political crisis in the country. And five people were killed during intercommunal violence in Lake State. The government of Lake State managed to intervene. Uh, up to now, uh, our forces are in that cattle camps. They were deployed uh, and uh, investigation is going on. We will have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. United Nations has welcomed the decision by Sudan's military to lift a seven-month-long state of emergency as a step to create a suitable environment for dialogue to end Sudan's political crisis. The UN is also calling on Sudanese authorities to release all political detainees and respect the right of peaceful protesters in the country. During his regular briefing on Tuesday, UN Secretary General Spokesperson Stefan Dujaric welcomed the lifting of the state of emergency in Sudan announced Sunday by General Abdel Fattah al-Burhan. This is an important step to create a conducive environment for the direct intra-Sudanese talks to end the political crisis in the country. We encourage the authorities to complete the release of political detainees. We continue to call on them to fully respect the right to a peaceful assembly and freedom of expression. Military authorities in Sudan released more than 100 political detainees from prisons across Sudan, according to the local activist group Emergency Lawyers Committee. Burhan's latest moves were demanded by anti-coup protesters in the international community. Burhan said he did it to create a conducive environment for dialogue among Sudanese. Dujaric urged Sudanese stakeholders to engage in constructive dialogue in good faith to find a way out of the crisis following the 2021 coup. He said the trilateral mechanism consisting of the UN mission in Sudan, the African Union and the Intergovernmental Authority on Development will continue to, quote, work collaboratively to help facilitate a Sudanese-owned inlet solution. Anti-coup protests have continued in Sudan. Sudan researcher at Human Rights Watch, Mohamed Osman, has downplayed the importance of lifting the state of emergency. We have seen the same military leaders introducing cosmetic reforms um, or steps um, suggesting a progress to be taking place. The, the lifting of the state of emergency is certainly and possibly one of those phases. And therefore, at this stage of the situation in Sudan, they should be, the international community should be increasing scrutiny over what's happening. There should be increasing pressure um, to reverse the abuses that has been committed during the last seven months. Osman says the seven-month-long state of emergency was used by Sudan's school leaders as cover to commit human rights violations against opposition civilians and protesters with impunity. Nearly a hundred protesters have been killed by security forces, according to the Sudanese Doctors' Committee. 
Osman says international players have options they can and should utilize against the coup leaders. It's crucial at this stage also for the international community not to lose sight on the possible and different tools they have at their disposal. Um, Human Rights Watch and others have been calling for targeted sanctions against those who are leading the uh, crackdown in Sudan. Um, more importantly, accountability for those who committed abuses during the state of emergency should also be taking place and not to be washed by such kind of announcements. Osman says the recent measures by the military are not an honest attempt to improve things in Sudan, but rather a tactic to further tighten its grip on power. They do aim to consolidate power and therefore um, a stronger pushback is crucially needed at this stage. Lake State authorities say five people were killed and at least eight others wounded during intercommunal violence sparked by a marriage between people from two different communities in Rumbek, North County yesterday. State officials dispatched police to the area to prevent further violence. William Sunday Mabo reports for VOA from Rumbek. Lake State Police spokesperson Major Elijah Maborumakwaj says the violence started when a young man from one community eloped with a young woman from a neighboring community. He says young men from the woman's community attacked the other community, leading to a shootout. Fighting erupted between uh, youth of uh, Manuel and Gak section. Both are from Akam community of Rumbek North County. And the motive that triggered the fighting was the girl elopement. The foreign immediately decided to launch accuse somebody who is engaging the, the girl before all this time. And uh, immediately they took uh, attack. They took their campaign and they went and attacked that particular clan. And fighting took place. Makwai says state officials sent police to Malay to put an end to the fighting. The government of Lake State managed to intervene. Uh, up to now, uh, our forces are in that cattle camps. They were deployed uh, and uh, investigation is going on. Even uh, other government officials are also uh, in the cattle camp currently and uh, people are investigating. Police arrested several suspects in connection with the incident, said Major Makwaich. The first accused is apprehended. He is with police personnel in the cattle camp currently. Other person is also was also accused in Rumbek town here uh, and is a student. He's also being apprehended yesterday. He's currently under arrest. Lake State Acting Information Minister William Koji Kirjok says those arrested are the relatives of the girl because they started the fight. Makwai says police are also looking for the young woman who reportedly eloped. He says relatives of those who were wounded in the firefight are hiding them rather than transporting them to the hospital for fear that they would be arrested or attacked. Those who are involved in this incident have to be arrested. Uh, the mother, the father of this lady, plus those who are involved in the marriages, and and then why why the lady uh, in try to disappear and uh, wherever she is now is not yet confirmed. Kirijok says the state government will not tolerate intercommunal violence.
This killing will not continue to, tolerate, to, to continue because you remember, you know, the issue of Gal here, uh, people took it up, it is always uh, there. Uh, but since uh, it has reached that level, uh, government will take uh, further the measures for something not to repeat or not happen. Since the appointment of General Tain Mabur as governor last year, Lake State has seen a significant drop in intercommunal violence, which had been rampant in the area. For VOA News, William Sande Mabur in Rumbek, Lake State. The government of South Sudan says the recent extension of the UN arms embargo and targeted sanctions on some South Sudanese individuals in the country poses a major challenge to the planned graduation of the unified forces. Government spokesperson and information minister Michael McQuay says there are no guns for the forces who are waiting for graduation. For VOA News, Deng Deng reports from Juba. South Sudan government spokesperson and information minister Michael McQuay says extending the arms embargo and targeted sanction for another year is a major setback to the planned graduation of the unified forces. He says the lack of guns means the forces will not be able to do their work. These forces were supposed to be graduated, but we have been waiting for uh, the situation, which unfortunately did not materialize. Yeah, we were expecting the lifting of the arms embargo so that we, so that a good Samaritan can give us arms for uh, for the graduation of these forces. But unfortunately, we lost that, uh, and the, the, the arms embargo and the sanctions were renewed for one year. So we will graduate them with. Uh, on Friday, South Sudan's permanent representative to the UN, Akwe Bonamalwal, told this program that the embargo has hurt its country's peace and security and deprived it of economic opportunities. You know, the arms in the hand of civilians, it takes time, it takes money, it takes uh, uh, logistics to collect those arms around the country. And uh, what we are saying now is that there has not been a program to do that because when people are talking, why you don't have a unified uh, command or unified force? And it would be easier if you can uh, have uh, in the storage the arms that you need to uh, graduate the people with. Colonel Lampol Gabriel, a spokesperson of the Sudan People's Liberation Army in opposition, strongly disputes Makwe's claims. The, the argument that uh, uh, we are not able to graduate because of the arms embargo and because there is no gun is very lame. Uh, we are very aware, SSPLIO, that uh, beginning from December to around March, there has been some weapons, uh, a number of weapons, pledges that have been coming in uh, to South Sudan. So if that weapon is not for uh, the peace implementation, then what is that weapon for? We, we shouldn't lie to ourselves. How possible is it that the government can lie to us uh, inside South Sudan when we know ourselves better than uh, the international community? Colonel Gabriel says it boils down to a lack of political will on the part of the government, adding South Sudan has been importing weapons despite the arms embargo. We are aware of the hidden agenda behind uh, uh, these forces not being graduated. They want these forces to scatter, they go home, they get frustrated, then uh, the, the, some of these officers from the HLO who are stranded and who are frustrated, who are suffering due to lack of money, due to lack of basic service in the training center can be tapped uh, into defect, into 
to 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 join the, the 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 government forces. This is what is in place. People want us to go back to war, but we are not going back to any war. We'll continue with this implementation regardless of the challenges. SSPDF spokesman General Lulwai Kong dismissed the SPLAIO's claim that there is a hidden agenda behind the delay in graduating the armed forces. Kong says the forces at containment sites across the country are mixed and have been experiencing the same challenges for the last three years. If they were separate, if they were not in one training in one training center and one unified command at the training center, yes, that uh, that that allegation would would hold water. But that's that's not true. It is illogical kind of reasoning. It does not make sense. Yeah, they have been they have been training together. They were screened. They were mixed, and they are being commanded by integrated officers out of the training center. The ceasefire monitoring body, Citizen VM, has said little has changed at containment sites and training centers across the country after visiting the sites. At a technical committee meeting in Juba last week, Citizen VM chairperson Lieutenant General Azrad Denero urged the unity government to expedite arrangements for the graduation and deployment of unified forces. Citizen VM continues to perform its mandate in some very challenging situation in South Sudan. We remain very concerned about reports of continued tensions between the parties in unity and the upper Nile states that, that severely strain the peace process and puts the lives of many innocent civilians at risk. Denaro urged the signatories and parties to the revitalized peace agreement to respect the permanent ceasefire and refrain from all violence. For VOA News, I am Deng Guiding in Juba. Listening to South Sudan in focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, East Africa might be facing severe hunger. Find out more after this break. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. The question today How is the birth of a child celebrated in your culture? When we give birth in our culture, they simply take a baby somewhere there inside a house. They gather together as a family. They bring pots of milk. They slaughter goats. So they dance. That's how we easily celebrate. I understand in a very simple way that when a baby boy is born, it is celebrated for the first three days with uh, some local drinks, some local beverages, something of that kind. They give them cows, yeah. Once you give birth to a baby, they give him or her cattle. So that's the way how they celebrate it. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You are listening to South Sudan in focus on the Voice of America. The United Nations and humanitarian agencies warned on Tuesday that there is a concrete risk that a fifth consecutive rainy season could fail in East Africa, leaving millions of people facing severe hunger. Doyle reports from Addis Ababa. Across East Africa, suffering its worst drought in four decades, millions are in need of rain. 
But on Tuesday, the United Nations and humanitarian agencies warned that such prayers may well go unanswered. Four consecutive rainy seasons have failed, they said in a joint statement, with the March to May season appearing to be the driest on record. That's exacerbating a hunger crisis that could see 20 million people facing acute food insecurity by September. Forecasts also indicate the statement said that there is a concrete risk that a fifth rainy season from October to December will also fail. Claire Nullis, a spokesperson for the World Meteorological Organization, told a briefing in Geneva that the threat of starvation looms in East Africa. We are particularly concerned that the situation is set to get worse, she said. Millions of livestock have died in Ethiopia, Kenya and Somalia, according to the statement. And over a million people have been displaced in Somalia and southern Ethiopia. Aid agencies are seeking to avoid the repeat of a famine a decade ago that killed hundreds of thousands of people. The statement said a rapid scaling up of actions is needed now to save lives and avert starvation and death. The head of the African Union is calling on Rwanda and the Democratic Republic of Congo to lower tensions between them. The DRC accuses Rwanda of supporting the rebel group M23, which continues to battle the Congolese army. Mohamed Youssef reports from Nairobi. Calm has returned in some parts of the eastern DRC, which saw heavy fighting last week between the Congolese army and the rebel group M23. Jane Mobatsenga is Amnesty International's DRC researcher. He tells VOA there is a lull in the fighting. So when it comes to M23, there is some um, calm now over the last uh, few days. There have been no clashes reported uh, and in some parts civilians uh, who had fled have started to to return um, but that doesn't mean that uh, the conflict is over uh, civilians are still uh, being killed uh, by other armed groups so it's not only the m23 which uh, which is the problem there are also other groups who are have been killing people and are continuing to kill civilians uh, with impunity. Reports say the Congolese army, with the help of the UN peacekeeping force, MONUSCO, recently repelled a rebel advance on the city of Goma. The reports say M23 fighters have now returned to their hideouts near the border with Uganda. But residents of North Kivu and Ituri remain fearful of M23 and other armed groups in the region, which have competed for years for control of the area's rich mines. Some of the groups have ties to Rwanda, Uganda or Burundi. The DRC government accuses Rwanda of supporting M23 in an effort to destabilize the country. In a statement Monday, Rwandan Foreign Minister Vicent Biruta encouraged his neighbor to de-escalate its rhetoric. He said collaboration could restore security and bring lasting stability to the region. The minister also said the rebel group M23 was Congo's internal problem and should be resolved among Congolese themselves. 
On his Twitter account, African Union Chairperson Senegalese President Makassal said he is concerned about the tension between the DRC and Rwanda. Sal said he spoke to DRC President Felix Tshisekedi and Rwandan President Paul Kagame in a quest to find a peaceful resolution to the crisis. Researcher and political analyst Ntanyoma Rikumbuzi says the tension between the countries and the unrest in the DRC are likely to continue. I don't see in the near future um, any escalation uh, involving directly both countries, Rwanda and DRC, because both countries have an interest to dialogue and settle uh, many of these issues uh, in a pacific way, in a, a through the dialogue. Uh, but would this uh, be enough if Rwanda and DRC agrees to solve their attention in a pacific way? Would this lead to the stability of the Eastern DRC? I'm not sure. M23 insists it is fighting ethnic Hutu groups to protect the minority Tutsi living along the border between Congo and Rwanda. But Human Rights Watch DRC senior researcher Thomas Fessy notes M23 was expelled from peace talks between Congo and various armed groups that took place in Kenya at the end of April. All of this has created a context of, of tension which is sparking fears of, of new military confrontation on Congolese territory. And civilians are always the ones to pay the biggest price. In a few days of heavy fighting near Goma, over 70,000 people were displaced, according to humanitarian uh, organizations. Many of them will now need assistance. Congo is home to some 5.6 million internally displaced people, more than any other country in Africa. Mohamed Yusuf for VA News, Nairobi. Somalia's envoy for humanitarian affairs says close to half the country's population has been affected by record drought, with parts of the country facing the risk of famine. Mohamed Sheikh Noor reports from Magadishu. At a news conference in Mogadishu, Somalia's special envoy for humanitarian issues on Monday said more than 6 million Somalis were affected by the record drought. Abdirahman Abdishukur Rasame said the number of people suffering was quickly approaching half of Somalia's population. Warsame said the drought has hit 72 of Somalia's 84 districts and that six of them were already facing famine-like conditions with extreme food insecurity. He says our people are starting to die now. Deaths have begun, famine is looming in some areas, and drought is turning into famine. Warsame says the Somali people at home and abroad should help us in taking on some of the responsibility. The special envoy did not give any figures on how many Somalis have died from hunger, but appealed for aid to reach those in need. Warsame said the current drought, the worst in 40 years, had displaced nearly 700,000 Somalis from the countryside and forced them to seek help in nearby cities. He said the UN and aid agencies requested $1.4 billion for drought relief, but so far received only $58 million. Warsame said the international aid was more focused on the COVID pandemic, Russia's war on Ukraine, and crisis in Afghanistan, Syria, and Yemen. 
The humanitarian envoy also said not much attention is given to humanitarian needs because of Somalia's focus on politics last year and a half of delayed elections. International aid agencies warned Monday that threat of starvation was worsening in Somalia and neighboring countries across Ethiopia and Kenya. The Horn of Africa region is facing a record fifth rainy season without adequate rain, according to meteorological experts and humanitarian groups, which include UN agencies. Mohamed Shagnour for VOA News, Mogadishu, Somalia. in the public interest from VOA Africa. The World Health Organization and U.S. Centers for Disease Control say coughing and sneezing can spread COVID-19. Physical distancing, staying at least one meter away from people outside your family can protect everyone. For more information, check with reliable sources such as the WHO and Africa CDC. And remember to listen to VOA for the latest on COVID-19. That was a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. South Sudan in Focus is now on WhatsApp. Send us a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. Tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in Focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again, plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. And that's all we prepared for you this Wednesday. We now end the show with Mao and the song Benia.
Thanks for taking your time to be with us this evening. Join us again tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. Hey,